Welcome to A Voluntary View. We've got Jeff and Justin from VIA, and we're welcoming a very special guest today. We've got Larry Sharp, previous candidate for the governorship of New York, former business owner, former Marine. We've got a lot of great stuff to talk about. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Larry. So I'm a former business owner. When did I lose my business? Oh, my God. It said on your website that you sold the business. I sold one of my businesses. I still have one left. I got to make money somehow, can't I? Oh, my God. Put me in a poorhouse, brother. Come on. Let me make some money here. Former and current business owner. There there we go. go. Yes, absolutely. Actually, my first business that I sold off, I I made hardly any money on it. It was uh, I always say that my first business was my MBA. Uh, That's how I learned how to actually run a business um, through failing at that one. So at the end, I actually at the end had a business that was actually rocking and rolling. It was actually working. But two years into it, I'd had so much failure, so much bad blood. I didn't want to do it anymore. So I sold off an actual business that was actually making money. The problem is I'd lost so much money in the year and a half prior that when I started making money, I was basically breaking even. So because I had so many losses. So then I decided to just dump it. And the guy who wanted to buy it, he didn't have the cash that I went up front. Now, I am not advocating for what I did. I'm just saying where my head was. I was like, okay, can you pay me over six months? He went, yeah. I said, done. I did it on a handshake. He bought my business on a handshake. And the crazy part is he gave me a check every month for six months. Wow. Yep, every month. And the what I say is because he did that, that shows the business was working, right? He wouldn't yeah. have given me the check if he wasn't making money. He was right? invested in it so, personally and yes. monetarily. So he it was working. He was making money. So he actually gave – I got a check every month for the next five months. I got a check every month. But um, people say, Larry, would you have chased him if he didn't pay you? And where my head was then, no, I, I was at a point, and if anybody has been a, a business owner and it was like you were the sole proprietor, it was you and you were making it, it was all you. When you don't want to get up in the morning, it's a horrible feeling. It is a terrible feeling when you just don't want to do it anymore. It's a terrible feeling. So getting that off my chest and being able to start something new and different would have been worth it, actually. Don't get me, don't me wrong. I'm glad he gave me the checks. I am. I'm just saying <laughs> – I I would just walked away. I was. You're looking to forward to doing other projects and hundred percent in the future. There is value to utility or value to happiness that people don't always see, which is why you hear me talk all the time. The liberty movement isn't actually about liberty and freedom. People think that all the time. It's not. It's about happiness. The question is, how do I become happy? Right? How does anyone become happy? What could I, as some omniscient, cool, powerful being, give you and everyone else who's listening or watching? How in the world could I give you one thing that will make you all happy now and say 10 years from now? I can't. It's impossible because each person wants something different now. And whoever you are now, you're different 10 years from now. So the thing changes. So all I can do is create an environment where you can pursue happiness to the best of your ability. And you will pursue it. And you will gain it and you will lose it because happiness, sadly, is often fleeting and you have to chase it again. Right. And it's how it works. That's what happens in life. And we chase it. it if happiness wasn't important, why in the world would it be in our founding documents? Life, true. liberty, pursuit of happiness is in our founding. Our divorce papers from the UK said <laughs> life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. That's right? true. I'm not going to be people. like you, dad. I'm not going to be an empire like you. <laughs> happiness. Uh. 
Right? So that's, that's what we were like. <laughs> now, then some people start to expect happiness to just be given to them almost yeah. uh, as a right. I deserve happiness. You, but, but you, you, cannot be, find you cannot be happy if it's given. Mm. It is it is physically impossible. Happiness cannot be given. We think it is, right? And we saw this if you look at the movement in the 80s and 90s for self-esteem. The self-esteem movement in the 80s and 90s had the best, best intention. It was the idea that we want kids to have better self-esteem so that as they get older, they have better resilience, they can be stronger, they can go out and do anything. So we tell them, you could do anything. Justin, you could do anything, right? We did a bunch of that. And that's amazing. That feels good. But it actually makes you unhappy. Yeah. You no. gain self-esteem. They could do anything. But yes, well, <laughs> you gain self-esteem not because someone tells you you're awesome. Jeff is awesome. That doesn't make you awesome. But when Jeff does something, achieves something, then I go, Jeff, look at what you did, man. That's awesome. Then you go, you. yeah, I am pretty awesome. That's actual self-esteem. Mm-hmm. That actually gets you moving. But not just that. You want to show that the value in what Jeff did is not that Jeff achieved it. It is compared to Jeff in the past, right? So yeah. if Jeff gets a good job, that's nice. But lots of people get a good job. But if Jeff, say, dropped out of high school because he had a drug problem and then was an addict for three years and then got a good job and changed his life around, holy crap, Jeff, that's impressive, right? That's yeah. way more impressive, right, yeah. than, than anything else. And at that point, Jeff, you should start feeling like you're a superhero because you are. You've achieved something. But what wind up happening with the self-esteem movement and the good intentions was all of a sudden now kids were told you're awesome because you were born. You're great if you show up. If you just follow the rules and do what we say and pass these tests, there will be magic at the end of the rainbow. And they were told that for decades. That was all a lie. What actually wound up happening is you had helicopter parents who would hover around and when anything went wrong, they would fix it. And then yep. that then morphed into bulldozer parents, which is I'm not even gonna let you have a problem to fix. I'm going to bulldoze everything in front of you so you have a smooth sound the whole way through. And what that does is it creates a, a generation of people who are not resilient so that when things fail, it's not I need to work harder. When things fail, it's but I deserved it. It's not fair. Yeah, I'm entitled to uh, what I expected. Correct. Yeah, and then they can't yeah. solve their own problems to get out of that hole. And they keep looking for a higher power to fix it. And that higher power in our world is government. Governments. Yep. Yeah. Everybody wants to go to big daddy government to fix all their problems and to put the Lambos out in their front yard like it's actually going to happen. It, 100%. It, you've yeah. got to go out and actually work. And, you know where that leads. Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> back to what you were saying, Larry, there's actual real uh, – like in the science of when you go in and you do the work and you reach your goals and you get like free dopamine highs from this and that kind of thing right there really will build your self-esteem over time instead of somebody just trying to tell you you're great and you know little Susie's perfect she can't do anything wrong in the world well first time little Susie runs into some issues uh she's going to like you said run to her first politician or Uh, government program to fix all her issues. And that's, it's not the way Absolutely. the world works. But it's also in business too, right? When uh, my job that, you know, Jeff luckily has allowed me to keep um, the, the <laughs> now, 
right? The work that I do now is I do a lot of training, consulting, teaching, things of that sort, right? So when I'm in a company, I tell people, one of the things I tell them is when you're hiring people, hire slowly, take time to hire. And they're like, what do you mean? I need somebody now. Well, that's because you're being reactive and not proactive. Let's change how your business model works and be more proactive and know who you're going to need in the future. That's one of the things you do as a good consultant, right? Who are you going to need? How does this work? And you begin hiring early so that once someone comes in, it's not desperate, it's ah, perfect timing. So if I need someone in my business, I want to actually think that if possible, it takes me at least three months to hire them. And you might say, why would I want to wait three months? That person might get on the job. Good. I don't want them. I don't, if they want the job, go get that job. Yeah. I want my job. I want them to want my job. If they don't want my job, I don't want them either. This should be a two-way street. You should want my job. Yeah. If you and don't there should want be my job. Correct. Yes. Absolutely. So if I take three months and you go, Larry, I like it, but this job's cooler. I should be like, okay, good. Good luck, man. I hope it works for you. Enjoy. But if I become reactive and desperate, I grab the first guy who walks in the door. But I don't want to do that. I want to grab someone who wants this job. And the longer this person has to fight to get this job, the more they will respect the job. That goes right back to your point, right? Why do you think Marine Corps boot camp, which I'm Marine, Marine Corps boot camp is three months. It's the longest boot camp of all the boot camps, the longest one. Because now once you're done that three months, now you've worked hard, you respect, and you treasure being a Marine. As you can see, I still have a picture on my wall right now. I noticed so, that. Yes. And, and, I, and I joined Marine Corps in 1985. So, yeah, that's how old I am, how long it's been, and I still have my picture. That so, yes. Marine boot camp was a real thing in 85. It was, absolutely. Big difference yes, between yeah. now and then. I did Air Force boot camp. It's, it's no difference in between – or there's a big difference between uh, Marine and Air Force. But I've heard some of the guys going through now, and it's like – going through Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So anyway, I think I'm, I guess what I'm saying is your, your point's a valid one, right? You do want it to be a little bit harder. You want things to be longer and tougher. And if you just ask someone to give it to you, it may give you a temporary high of like, it's almost like people who are depressed will often go shopping mm -hmm. because the idea of shopping and buying something gives them a temporary high. And you find people who are shopaholics or hoarders even very often, they buy several things. If you go into the house when they're in trouble and you'd like to hoard a TV show or people go in to try to fix them up. I know, I know many coaches who will go in and try to unhoard people. And at least half the boxes they find are never opened. They literally didn't want the thing. They just wanted the high of buying. They didn't want the thing. So the thing no. comes, they put it in, in the corner. They don't even open a box. No. So, so if you ever want free stuff, be a hoarding coach. You'll get tons of free stuff. <laughs> there we go it sounds like a business model almost <laughs> there we go yes i like free stuff hoarding coach that's you you get tons of free stuff it's all good so larry one of the the things when you were running for governor uh something that i saw that you had brought up was the how we get people from uh staying on public assistance Mm -hmm. And trying to help them out in the path of uh, self-reliance. Absolutely. And one of your ideas was, uh, I want to say like an insurance-based program? Yep, absolutely. Now, when I saw that, I I was uh, very intrigued because one of our goals as an organization is not just to um, – uh, help the un unfortunate homeless fellow on the corner that needs a sandwich, but help him get to a point where he's no longer having to stay on the corner and he's uh, actually 
becoming a pro- I don't want to say productive member of society because it's not What's the wrong with productive members. It's good. Uh, some what, people might like that. Right. Yeah. Well, then here's, then here's what I would say instead. He's able to pursue happiness. I like that. Because able to pursue he, his own happiness. Yes, correct. If he's on a corner looking for a sandwich, I am 100% sure he's not pursuing happiness. No. That I'm sure of. But if he's you know stable in some area, the, the, the way you want, the, the best way you can get someone to be able to pursue happiness is to create some form of stability in their life. Right? Critical way. If you can create some form of stability... Number one, now they can get their feet. Now they now this okay. So I have a place to stay and I can survive and I don't have to worry about eating. Yep, got that down. Okay. Now let's provide some hope for the future. Yeah. Now someone's on their happy way. If you don't know where your next meal is coming from. Very tough. Very, but again, but I but I would let me argue one other piece though. You can be if you have clear purpose. Res- the key to happiness is three things. You have to feel respected, you have to feel loved, and you have to have purpose. If you have all three of those things, you will be happy. And we all get that during our life at one part or another. But then we also lose it at one part or another in our life. It happens all the time, right? And we have to then research for it again. We find it. We have it. But that point is part of happiness, part of the joy of happiness is the pursuit. That's part of it, right? You want to get to the top of the mountain, but you also want to enjoy the climb and the view and everything about it as you're going up that mountain. And the lessons learned. You can be like, oh, I'm down a mountain. Oh, now what? You've lost purpose. Mm-hmm. It you wasn't find a journey. purpose again. Just, yeah, what is the next thing? Yeah. Whatever that thing is. So if, if you can't get that stability, then you have a problem trying to find happiness. If mm-hmm. someone's sitting, in theory, if you had those three and you didn't know where your next sandwich was coming from, you would still push on, even without the sandwich. Right? You would. Yeah. You would yeah, push you on. Really would. Without the sandwich, and you would find a way to get the sandwich. Or you'd ask someone who loves you, look, I'm going to be over there when I'm there. Please bring me a sandwich, right? Whatever. You would find a way of making it happen. Be Happy people don't revolt. Happy people start businesses. Happy people start families. Happy people don't shoot each other, right? Happy people do all kinds of great things. Happy people help others. And if you're happy now, and you can recognize what happiness is, when you see people who aren't happy, you are more than happy to share that. And I bring this up with lots of people who are in trouble. When you're in trouble, people often think two things are true when they're in trouble. They think they are either unworthy and or incapable, incapable of happiness. Mm-hmm. So they believe. Yeah, it's I did just, something to deserve it. You, you brought this on yourself type of thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or they think it's impossible. Life is not fair. It doesn't matter if I'm worthy, I can never get there. They believe one of those two things. Both, by the way, are not true. But people believe it. And if you believe it, it might as well be true. So one of the things I will tell people who are in trouble, and people often call me when they're in trouble, and one of the things I'll tell them is, don't you realize that with, when you don't ask someone for help, you are being selfish. Because when you ask someone for help, you can become someone else's purpose. So you are literally taking away someone else's purpose when you don't ask for help. And the person in their own mind has validated and said, no, no, I don't want to ask for help because then I'm selfish, right? I don't want to ask for, I don't want to put myself on someone else because then I'm being selfish. And I would argue the opposite, that when you ask someone for help, very often you are giving them purpose. Mm -hmm. I want to help someone. I love you as my friend, my family member, my close associate. As a human being, I love you and I want to help you. There's a reason why people like to volunteer, 
There's a reason. We don't do it because we're crazy. We do it because we love it, because we, yeah. it makes us feel good, because we want to help my fellow human being. Well, if you're in trouble and you don't ask, well, then you're hurting someone else. Don't be selfish. Yeah. Say, man, I'm in trouble. Justin, help me out, man. And Justin goes, yeah. Oh, Larry, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now your day is made. I get to help somebody. Yeah, yeah you're actually, actually helping somebody else in their pursuit of happiness. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it goes the other way, too, with the selfishness. Because I think they're selfish, but not in the way they're thinking. They're selfish because they're worried about what the other person is going to think about them. Yes. they're asking for help. I don't want them to think of me as someone who needs help. Then you're really just focused on yourself and how other people perceive you. 100%. 100%. And there's the other piece, right? And this is a big issue when it comes to veterans. Veterans are, are notorious for this one. Other people too, but veterans are notorious for this. The idea of thinking they're all better off without me. Mm. Right. I'm going to uh, I'm going to leave and go be homeless because my family's better off without me. My friends are better off without me. I'm going to kill myself because everyone's better off without me. That's a common feeling. And when I talk to people about that, I think to think, I think with them, are they really better off without you? And the first answer is always yes. They always believe that. And then we'll start walking down that road and say, you know what? Is it really true? Let's let me ask. Is your daughter going to be better off without her dad? Is, are your friends better off without you? And most of the time they come back. And, and when you talk about it, I go, you know what? No. All right, then. So stop being so damn selfish. Yeah. And go back to your friends. What are you doing? Yep. Get this some help. So that, just get yes. some help so your friends can feel happier about the situation that you're in. Yes. Uh, and so on and so forth. And the number one thing I then will tell people is, you know, you think that when you get help, you know, now you're in a bad spot. I'm going to go the opposite. There is glory to being helped because now it's your job to pay it forward. You now got to help somebody else. And when you fell down and got back up, you are now an image for someone else, an example for someone else who's down, right? Never forget the movie Gandhi, one of my favorite movies from the 80s. And in there, there's a spot, there's a, there's a spot there where um, the Muslims and the Hindus are in a civil war in India. They're killing each other and fighting terribly because they don't know how to become an independent nation, having a huge Muslim and Hindu population, and they're having a civil war. Gandhi says, I'm going to go on a hunger strike until you guys stop, right? And if I die, then I die. I don't, I don't want to live in an India that will destroy itself like this. So finally, at one point, the, the killing stops. Gandhi's up in, in top of his roof, literally like dying because he's starving himself to death. Mm -hmm. And a Hindu man comes up and he says, here, take it. He gives him like a piece of bread. Eat this. He goes, it doesn't matter anymore. You know, I'm going to hell. And Gandhi says, why? He goes, they killed my, my son. The, the, the Muslims killed my son, and I killed them, and I killed many of them. I'm already going to hell. doesn't matter. And Gandhi says, I have a way out of hell for you. He says, what? He says, find an orphaned Muslim boy. Raise him as your own, but raise him as a Muslim, and you won't go to hell. And I never forgot that. Now, Gandhi has no power of heaven and hell. Clearly, he's just a dude, no. right? So clearly, he has no power of heaven and hell. But that man wanted to hear salvation. Mm-hmm. He wanted to have an answer to his own personal hell he had put himself in for the things that he had done and the pain that he had suffered and the actions that he took that he thought were justified because of his pain of losing his son. And Gandhi said, I got you. Mm -hmm. Good people who are trying to help always have a way of saying, I got you. Yeah, and now part of that is when you and when you get better, now it's your job to make somebody else better. That's your job. And I think that's a lot of. I know a lot of people in VIA, we work with this organization because we were helped at yes. one point. And Absolutely. now we're trying to help other people in the same way. 
you have brought up a point that I want to bring up right now. Perfect example. A lot of people think that government is going to help them. And I get it. I do. Because the problem you have is when you add government, you by default remove community. That's how it works, right? As government comes in, community leaves. And we've had so many environments, so many communities who have been helped by only government for so long that they actually don't know how to help themselves. They have lost the institutional knowledge in a community to help themselves. And the COVID lockdown showed that with schooling, hospital, all that healthcare. Yeah. It showed that communities were just not ready to handle this at all because they just did not do it. Now, a good person in the liberty movement, people will tell you, well, you know, you guys just hate poor people. You guys just hate government, blah, blah. What I'm saying is no. What we want to do is we know that people need help. We just think government isn't the right answer and that community will always do better. That's what we believe. And here is my example of this. If I create a government agency to service any issue, in your case that we talked about, you talked about Justin, a guy needs a sandwich, feeding people. And now, Justin, you're my boss. So I come to you uh, every week and I go, hey, Justin, great, great day, great week. We helped 100 people. We serviced 100 people. You go, great, Larry, awesome. Next week, hey, boss, we serviced 125 people. Oh, we are rocking and rolling. Awesome. Hey, next time we serviced 150 people. Larry, it's amazing. We're doing great. Next week, boss, we only serviced 100 people. What happened? Well, people the, the you know people who are qualified didn't show up. Well, Larry, how are we going to keep billing? How are we going to get that printer? How are we going to hire an admin assistant if we don't show that we're servicing people? But, but Justin, people didn't show up. Well, you need to make some people show up then, don't you? What's just happened is you have just encouraged corruption. Yep. You've just – and every agency has the same problem. It is by default encouraged to keep servicing people, not helping people, servicing people. Therefore, the institution must grow. Therefore, the problem must grow. If the problem doesn't grow, the institution can't grow. And you know what? Justin, you and I can't get raises. <laughs> Right. And unfortunately, that's how it works every time. Constantly, Yes. No, but now change it. Now it's a nonprofit. It's not a government organization. It's a nonprofit run by donors, a donor base. Well, now I'm not getting funded by the number of people that I that I service. The donor base doesn't care. The donor ca- base cares. Am I doing something that solves the problem that they care about? If you write a check to me because you think me and Justin are going to feed people. Right. And Jeff's our donor and he's writing us a check for five thousand bucks a year to help us, you know, um, feed homeless people. If I tell Jeff, dude, there's less homeless people in our county. He's going to be like, that's amazing. I'm glad I'm giving you money. That's the reason why I'm giving you money. So there'll be less homeless people. So if we say if me and Justin go, we service five thousand people last year and then this year only four thousand because our program got people out so that they didn't need us anymore. Jeff's like, here's another 5,000. Keep doing that. Keep doing what you're doing. Yes. In fact, what we're going to show him is not the number of people who we've serviced. We're going to show him the number of people who we've helped. We're going to show him the success stories. And that's going to get Jeff to keep writing those checks. But if the problem keeps growing, Jeff says, why am I paying you? Exactly. Like everybody looking at the taxes when uh, when they get paid. What are my taxes going to? Yes. I, I see more homeless people out on the streets. Yes. Uh, I, my bridges are failing. Yep. Um, all my roads have uh, holes in them. Yep. What are my taxes doing? Absolutely. 
And now yeah. think about it. Why does the average person join and get a government job? Some people because they want to serve. Does happen. But most because it's a good job. Yeah, I'm not asking for it. That's just a fact. Most people do it because they either want to serve or good job. Why do people join nonprofits and charities? Because they care. Mm-hmm. That's it. Because they care. Guaranteed. If you go to a government program and say, hey, I have a problem. Government bureaucrat does what it's supposed to do. Look at the sheet of paper and go, all right, let's see. Let's find the box that you fit in. Okay. Check the boxes. Yeah. You fill out these forms. This box. There we go. And with this box, you get these services. They then give you these services. And you go, that's great, Larry. I appreciate you giving me services, but um, I'm not helped. And, they, and I go, what are you going to do, man? Get your services. Have a nice day. Yeah. You've you got, got these services. services, but it's not what I need. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. But go to a nonprofit. And I, now you're a nonprofit, and Justin's there. And he goes, he goes, you are Justin, you know, I'm in trouble. And Justin goes, okay, let me see how I can help you. You know, you need this, this, and this. In fact, you know what? In this case, you should go to the government for this one. He's going to tell you that because that's going to help you if, if that's the case. In addition, you need these two, three things. I got Bobby and I got Phyllis. They're going to help you out with that. The nonprofit will give you whatever it takes to try to get you to the right spot. The government will only give you the services on the list. There's actual compassion behind a nonprofit. Correct. Yes. The government is focused on numbers, not Correct. on people. Yes, absolutely true. That's the biggest issue. And most don't get this. So now I saw in your page, one of the things you had mentioned as kind of trying to address the solution of oh, poverty. Oh, go, you got Europe. me going all over the place, Justin. I didn't even get down to the policy. I'm sorry about that. No, yeah. <laughs> one of the things was insurance, like some kind of an insurance yes. plan to help. What What was that about? Because that wasn't right. treated. But let, let me walk down there. I'm sorry. You, that's, I'm going to I'm going to blame Justin for getting me off track with this stuff. It's all just, I'll, I'll take right. it. It's OK. <laughs> there we go. So now the one of the things I was bringing up is that if you are in, in in if you are a single mom, as an example, and you have two kids, people will often say, oh, my God, look at this lazy mom. She won't work. You will hear people say that all the time. And it's not true. The reality of it is the system is set up so she'd be a fool to work. The system is set up that once she goes to work, she loses all of her benefits and has to pay for childcare. So mm. she will literally make less money and spend less time with her children. Why would she do that? Right? I mean, the, the system is set up for her to stay on public assistance. Yeah. She should. I'm not mad at her for that. I'm not hating the player. I'm hating the game. Right. Yeah. Right? The game is broken. So yeah. we, she shouldn't be doing that. But we've shown her it's the best way. Well, what if two things existed? Two separate pieces. One of them is the insurance policy. The other one is a, another option for childcare. What you will hear me say all the time to people who talk about helping people, the, the government is always two things, a monopoly and a jobs program. It's always those two things. So if you just remove the government, there's nothing there. It's a monopoly. Mm-hmm. So now you, you opened up a black market for all kinds of bad things, right? Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to go away, you have these people who have jobs. They're not going to vote against it. It's their jobs. It's their livelihood. Mm. Tough. So here's the way of doing it. Always add something that someone can take voluntarily. Add an option. Add competition. Add a community option. So the first step is I talked about in New York State at the county level, right? The first thing is allowing what's called uh, child gardens. A child garden would be, for an example, Jeff, by the way, do you have kids? Yes. Got three All kids. Right. Do you ever take your kids to a park? Oh, yes. Good. Okay. So you decide you're taking your kid to the park. And I go, hey, Jeff, do me a favor. Take my kid to 
And you know what? His his like six, seven bucks. Can you get him some ice cream or something or whatever? And you go, yeah, yeah, sure, Larry, no problem. You take the kids to the park. You come back. Life is good. There's no need for a contract or license. Nothing, right? You and I made an agreement, right? Yeah. Good. So why can't we swap out you for a nonprofit? So now if a local church, if a VFW, if a Knights of Columbus, Elks Club, whatever, some nonprofit wants to do that, it may. What does that mean? So now if you want to go to a local church, and in many, particularly poor communities, particularly black communities, the black church is struggling desperately. So all of a sudden now you can go to church if you want to and say, hey, drop my kid off. I'm going to go to work. Well, how much does it cost? Church decides. You and the church have a, a separate agreement, like me and you, Jeff, whatever agreement it is. The church might say, um, bingo night is Wednesday. You're calling the numbers. And our services start Sunday at noon. I expect you in the pew. That's your payment. Could be that. Or it could be 10 bucks. Or it could be whatever, right? They can make a decision. Now, p- the fight people say is, well, Larry, these churches, what if they don't do background checks? Then ask them to do background checks. What if they don't? Yeah. Then don't drop your kid off. Then it's voluntary. Give them their money. <laughs> Fine. Don't drop your kid off. You can still go to regular daycare if you want to. I'm not destroying daycare. I'm providing an option for you that you may or may not trust if you want to do that. What would that do? That would give parents the opportunity to do one of two things. Head off to work part-time, dropping your kid off and not paying a bunch of money so you can stay relevant in the field, so you can learn new skills, so you can actually get off and find another job and get off public assistance. Or find a regular job if you can, even though you've lost some benefits, now you're not paying hundreds of dollars every week for childcare. You now are able to, to make money and buy your own stuff because you're not paying so much for childcare. And you're giving a child off to someone who you trust, whoever those people are. You trust them. You can do that. That was part one, but that wasn't enough. The second part that was the insurance piece. The insurance piece was a state could create an insurance product, an insurance product, which would be something like a two for one idea. What does that mean? Once you go past a certain amount of dollars in when it comes to the state, you lose all your benefits, right? You could instead create a two for one, meaning for every $2 you make, you lose $1 in benefit. So mm-hmm. it's slower, but you can work your way off of the benefit. The so it's not cutting product, somebody completely off. Bingo. It allows yeah. you to work your way up. Because then the incentive is to yep. just make only enough just under that limit where you're cut off and to not do correct. anything else. And so many people do that. They literally, they literally go to work and they tell the, the employer, only give me X dollars. Seriously, that's, that's a thing. I don't want any more than this amount of money because if they go past that amount of money, they lose the benefits. That's a mm-hmm. common thing. Can't work more so, than this number of hours. Yes. Right. So why wouldn't I? So the, how's that person going to move up? They can't. I want a person to be able to move up in life in any way they want. In today's world, if you're a youngster and I use youngsters as 20 something. So if you're 20 something, you're, young, you're a youngster to me. So <laughs> the youngsters now are going to at least have five different careers in their life. Not five different jobs, five different careers in their life. How are you going to learn a new career if you got to be a public assistance every time your career collapses? It's not going to work, right? So you've got to be able to make that happen. So I put those two things into play. But there was even one more, and that was a way of taxation. And that was at a local level, your state taxes. You can if you want to. Up to you, again, voluntary. There's no – nothing is forced here. If you want to, you can take $250 – that was going to go to the state and instead give it to a, to a nonprofit. I now, like if, that already. If it is in your county, it's doubled to 500. Oh, wow. Which now encourages localism. Yeah. Right? So if you give it outside of your county throughout New York State, 
250. If you want to give it in your county, 500. See, I, I really like that yep. because a lot of times libertarians are like, okay, we just need to right off the bat stop taxes and we'll figure out the rest as we go. No, this is kind of a way to wade into the water, so to speak. Uh, yes. and, and like you said, it really brings the idea of localism to the table. Yes. And the thing is now what will happen is the average person in America thinks taxes is actually a great idea. They think taxes are the only way to have services. They think taxes are the only way to have the anything. They yeah. believe that. Roads, they think there's no other possible option. But what I'm doing is showing them that there is. So once, if, imagine if you had that where now you could give 500 bucks to a local nonprofit. Now the nonprofit every year is fighting for your dollars. Mm-hmm. Now I'm coming to you saying, Justin, I know you wanted this stuff done. I could do it. I need you 500 bucks, man. And you your 500 me. bucks is gone either way, right? It's going either way. Yeah, You're not keeping it. So your choice is, do I give it to the state or do I give it to someone local? And if I did it local, to who? Now, I've got to prove my – I've got to prove I'm doing something good every time, right? I can't just – yeah, 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 no. I just – I bought a new car last year. Well, you're not giving me 500 bucks then, are you? No. No mm-hmm. way. you got to see some impact. You go, man, those guys, they were working on this and it was working. You know what? 500 bucks. You got it, man. Yes, Larry, you got it. And all of a sudden now what happens? The community becomes a competitor to the government which is what I want because the government has one of two options. One, it gets better or it goes away. Yeah. Especially as people see the, the actual productivity of a nonprofit versus a government program. Yes. Yes. And once once they see it, they actually will want to cut taxes because there will be a system there already. Community can close the gap. And that's what we want. Exactly. And they may start wondering, okay, I know my $500 is going to this, what the heck is all the rest of my taxes going for? What are you yeah, right? Yes. For? I know it's a thousand dollar toilet seat. They show me. Yes, right. absolutely. And the more I start showing you and saying, Justin, look at where my your five hundred bucks went. It went here. Look at you said you wanted this done. Look, it's getting done. And you go, you're right. You know what? I don't mind dropping five hundred bucks for that because it's what I want. So I'm good with that. And just the idea of again, what happens is there are so many people in the liberty movement, and I mean this with love. We spend so much time with our own that we don't understand what the rest of the world really is like. And we wind up telling ourselves a lot of lies. And one of those lies is everybody hates government. That is absolutely not true. Unfortunately not. Yes. We have a lot of work to do. Yes. We have to show them that it is not the awesome thing they think it is. Most people in America actually love government. It's like their government. Right. Yeah. They're like yeah, they their government. They identify with it. And I- Correct. If people would think about that, I think they would start to realize that and be a little more empathetic because most people in the liberty movement weren't born hating the government. You had to learn about everything that's wrong with it, and then your eyes are opened, but then they expect other people to see it right away. Yep. That's not how it works. We say things like, you know, well, you know, everybody has government, or we say things like everybody wants to be free. Everybody doesn't want to be free. No. Also not, true. not. Yes. Some people want to be safe more than that's they want correct. To be exactly Absolutely. how it goes. And I'm okay with that too, right? Sometimes in your life, you may decide that the right answer is to not be free. And I'll give you an extreme example, which is again, I'll go back to the addict. You decide to check yourself into rehab, right? You've decided that it's best for you right now to not be free. And that's fine. That's an extreme example. But there are yeah. many. I joined the Marine Corps. I wasn't free when I joined the Marines. I lost my freedom of movement. You know, you in the Air Force, right? You lost yep. your freedom of movement. 
they told you where you're going. Yep, you lose certain first speech or um, yep. First Amendment rights. You lose know. First Amendment rights. Yes, you do. But you and I volunteered. Yep. We thought it was the right thing for us at that given time, and that's fine. I don't mind if people don't want to be free as long as it's voluntary and they're not forcing others. Then we're good. No don't worries. Bring me into your decisions, and we're Bingo. all right. Yes, exactly right. Right. Unless you're asking me to join you. That's different. Yeah. As long as you're not forcing me. Right. It's fine. You want to go and you join the Marine Corps with your buddy. Okay. As long as it's voluntary, do so. But (laughs) obviously we're not drafting here. That's a bad idea. So yes. Anyway. Let's the draft. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a subject all on its own. Yes. (sighs) But I, I hope that was clear in my idea of volunteerism and how I tried to bring it to an actual campaign with people who could actually understand it. And I got a lot of New Yorkers who love government. I got a lot of New Yorkers that go, oh, wow, that actually makes a lot of sense. It's a new way of actually approaching things and yes. addressing a problem that we've had you know, across the United States, not just New York, but from a federal, state, local level everywhere. Um, it, bringing that to the table, I, I think that was really cool. And uh, I, man. To think of what New York would have been like today if Larry would have won. Oh, man. Would have been much better. That's for sure. Oh. That's for sure. That's uh, for sure. Couldn't have, been, yeah. couldn't have been worse. I mean, you read about some of the things that Cuomo has done, and it, it almost <laughs> boggles the mind. Yes. And the worst part is most New Yorkers just sat back and took it. Mm. That's I'm, the hardest one. Most I'm New Yorkers sat back heard, and took it. I've heard – I don't live in New York, but I've heard that people still – are really supportive of him, even oh, yeah. after stuff. Fifty-one percent wow. approval rate after the tenth woman um, said that um, he either harassed or insulted or whatever he did to her. Oh. Mm. Even and with then, all the the COVID stuff, the lockdowns. And... Oh, they're fine with that now because because our 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 generous God has that allowed us now to go back to work. <laughs> He's a generous God. He is. So, so that's a good i can see yes. the meme in the photoshop right now <laughs> yes yes oh. He's generous yes so so now i've got to ask though so i'm curious if you had gotten elected and if you had been the governor and covid comes along i literally you? did a 10-part video series on this in march of last year oh wow that March of last year yes because i knew this was going to happen i knew that asking this question so for anyone listening and watching who wants to go, you can go to my Sharp Way YouTube page, and there is a separate play- playlist, which literally says um, COVID reaction March 2020. There are, I think it's 10 videos, I think, I think 10. I explain everything we should have done in order with what I knew at the time. And the funny thing is, it's perfect if, now. Like, you can go back and it still works. <laughs> That's you can great. go back and it still works. And nothing was forced. And no taxes and no oh. shutdown. Nice. See. No shutdown, nothing forced, no new taxes. And we could have actually had a better outcome. And I covered everything. I covered everything from creation of masks to creation of hand sanitizers to hospital beds to respirators. I covered everything. How to pay for everything. I covered every single aspect of it. I went right down the list. And to think when you see the comparison of what each state did uh, when it came to how they responded to COVID and the pandemic, you look at 
states like New York, California, ones that were shut down, you know, practically all of 2020. Yep. Uh, in comparison to Texas and Florida, who actually had more of a uh, voluntarist uh, view of how to approach the pandemic, and you see the numbers, and not only just from an economic standpoint, but also from the actual uh, deaths from the pandemic, you see how a voluntary way would have been so much better than locking everybody down in their homes or, you know, putting COVID positive patients in nursing homes, you know, things like that. Well, the thing that I brought up, and I'll give you two ideas that were part of the plan. It's a long plan because it's a pandemic is a massive project, right? So I'll touch those two pieces as part of my plan. Piece number one was the idea that instead of saying, here is the government website, And here is what we say is right. Do what we say or I will punish you, which is what New York State did. Here are the rules. Do as I say. If you don't, my people are coming and they're going to lock you up. And what they did was they came by and they found businesses that weren't doing the right thing, according to their website, and they fined them thousands of dollars, businesses that were already being crushed. Mm -hmm. As of last October, six months ago, we had already lost um, 100,000 businesses in New York State. Holy cow. I don't even know what the number is now. It's probably 200,000. Just devastated. And, and most half of those were not coming back. No. So a lot of them aren't, still aren't coming back. So my plan was the opposite. It was, here's New York State website. Here is what the government believes is the right thing to do. But here are spaces for two or three other opinions on what is the right way of dealing with retail. And I would even allow retail associations to create their own guidance. Mm-hmm. I would even allow holistic associations to put their own guidance. Here are your guidances. Here they are. My inspector is now going to come around. And if you are following New York State guidance is the way we want you to, we're going to give you a stamp. We're not going to punish you if you don't. We're going to reward you if you do. And we're also going to allow others to do the same. They have it now. It's called a wellness check or something. It's a private company that goes around and puts stamps if you follow the wellness check thing, right? Yeah. So you can have two, three stamps, whatever you want. And you as an owner decide, you know what? I'm going to follow these or those rules and hope I get my stamp that I want. Now, the consumers in the area, the community decide, do I want to go in that store or not? If Justin's Mr. Hardcore, I don't care about nothing, and Jeff's following the state rules, and I'm following the other guy's rules, now the community starts going, who's getting sick? If nobody's getting sick, the rules don't matter, do they? No. If everybody's getting sick, the rules don't matter, do they? No. (laughs) But if we now know who's getting sick from where, we begin to know which rules are which. And what's going to happen? Let's say my rules are the right rules. And Justin's people, man, they all getting COVID. No one's going to Justin's store anymore. The community no. shuts Justin down. I don't have to as governor. Or Justin gets smart and goes, I better follow Larry's rules. Yeah, I better get with the, the BBB of the pandemic and get my I wellness guess, check. I better go do that because Larry's got the right rules. I should follow his rules. And then no one fights him whether masking works or six foot or three foot. Doesn't become political at all. No one's fighting. They know. Larry's rules are working. Why? No one's getting sick from Larry's joint. It's that, it's Justin's joint that's messed up. He's the knucklehead. Don't hang out with him. Right. So and that way Justin you're letting... changes or Justin goes under, which means the community closes you. And if your community shuts you down, I'm okay with that. Yeah, that, that's it. If the market or community decides, you know, I no longer want to be a part of your uh, store, by all means. I mean, that's, it, that's yep. the free market at work. And if we would have started that, and I talked about starting that in March. Within three months, we would have had a, we would have had exactly the right protocol for every single individual county in New York State. And New York State is a very diverse county. We have counties in New York State that have only 5,000 people in it and a county that has 2.3 million. Yeah. So why would I want to have the same rules for every county? 
localized rules would find the right way to do it. And my only request is, without question, transparency. You must be transparent. And if you lie, if you're a store owner and you put the, a stamp on that you don't have, that's fraud. That's a crime. You don't have to follow any rules, but you may not lie. Right. That's it. You don't lie. That, it's good. At that point, you're misleading the community. That's correct. And that's a crime. I have no problem with the government hammering you for fraud. That That is a crime. You get hammered for that. But if you don't want to follow the rules, you don't have to. But you only get the right stamp for the rules you choose to follow. Or none of them. Or all three in theory. Right? If you were to have super regulations and all three, up to you. If that's what your community wants, then that's what you should do. You should do what your community is demanding of you. I'm okay with that. Whatever yeah. that is. So we would have done that. That would have changed everything in that regard. But the second piece I, I was bringing up, which was the idea of you know, the older people in nursing homes. I would have rescinded all of the Department of Building rules for sleeping in public spaces within um, a nonprofit. What I mean by that, Department of Building rules in almost every county have rules against, for example, sleeping in the the church main room, sleeping in a nonprofit area that has, say, for example, a meeting room. It's against the law to set up cots in those areas. I would have stopped that and said you can sleep anywhere you want in any nonprofit. Why? To your exact point, if I got grandma at home, Mm-hmm. And grandma has a pre-existing condition. COVID could kill grandma, right? COVID was deadly for people over 65, 70 with pre-existing conditions. It devastated them. Well, yeah. if I got grandma at home, well, then maybe I shouldn't sleep at home. Maybe I should work and sleep at my, lo- my local Veterans of Foreign Wars. Or maybe I should go to work and sleep at my local church. Or go to work, sleep at my local American Legion. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should do that instead. Maybe I shouldn't go home to sleep for a while because I might bring grandma home something and I might kill grandma. In that case, I don't have to take grandma to the nursing home, do I? No. I can leave her at home. But the person who's out working doesn't sleep at home for a couple of months. So this blows over to we figure out what's up. Then I go back home, allowing me if I want to work and keep going to do so. If you're young and healthy, even if you get COVID, the odds are it's not going to kill you or even leave permanent damage. It might depend upon your DNA, what's going on with you, but the odds are against it. Yeah. So if you want to go out and work, go work. So those are the two things I brought up. I mean, I've had like seven or eight different points, but that was due to cover what you talked about. That's yeah. how you get people not going in to nursing homes. And that's how you get people who are going to shut down places where they, where the community shuts it down, not the government. And it's amazing how government policies and reactions during, you know, a disaster and everything, all they do is make things worse. They compound yep. Uh, problems on top of problems and the covid pandemic was just a a documentary on how that actually works yes yes it goes back to what you said larry it's not it's not here these rules that we're trying to help everyone so please do this for your own good it's this is what we're going to do and we're going to punish you unless you do what we say and 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 it means people don't trust you yeah people don't trust when you only put one way on a website saying do it my way, you are literally asking for conspiracy theories. Yeah. You're asking for it. If yeah. you say, no, no, if you got a theory, put it up here. I'm good. So people go, oh, so there's three choices? Yeah. Which is the one you think is best? You stop thinking, what else is out there? You don't think that. You think, oh, here are the choices. Huh. All right. I believe this guy or that guy. Or I believe none of them. Okay, whatever. But the second piece is if I have to go in and punish you, for not doing what I say, now you're mad at me, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that people, there's a saying, you know, people hate change. It's not true. People love change. 
people hate being changed. That's what they hate. If I go to Justin and I say, you better do this thing, Justin goes, who the hell are you? I'm not doing that. Period. It doesn't matter what it is. That sounds about right. Yes. But if I say, hey, Justin, here's this cool thing. You might like it. Then he'll check it out and he might actually do it because he chose to. Isn't he doesn't want to do the thing. He doesn't want to be ordered to do the thing. Mm -hmm. So don't order people and they tend to do better, right? Show them by example. Show them. And if the community start working again, people go, well, that's working. Let's do that. It's how it works. We would have changed everything. Uh, it the way they did it too ignored the fact that if if what you're saying is really right and it's really going to work, then people who don't do it, they're going to be punished naturally. Yes, because they're going to get sick, their businesses are going to fail, like you said. But if it's the right thing to do, people are going to see that and they're going to want to do it. No punishment required. But even if they don't, and I'm going to walk down kind of a dark road, but an important road because it affected us here in New York State, and it was elderly and churches. You know, the government shut down churches because they realized that elderly people often go to church and that group environment might be dangerous to them. And they're right. That's true. And I said, and I said it public and I still say, it, if you are over 60 and you have a pre-existing condition during COVID, it is my opinion, please don't go to church. But I said it again. That's my opinion. Please go online. Please find another way. Have someone come to your home, whatever. If you need to be spiritual, religious, it is my opinion. You should not go to church if you are in that in that box of people who are in trouble. However, we have a First Amendment. And if you think that you are prepared to sacrifice your life for your faith, you own your own life and you are able to do so. My request is just that a request. It should not be seen as an order. It is my opinion. I hope you agree and will do what I ask. I do hope that, and I will tell you that, but you don't have to. And that's one thing that sometimes libertarians forget. We think that because we don't want to order people that we lose our freedom of speech. You still get to have an opinion. You just can't force it on someone. Correct. So mm-hmm. I think if you're over 60 with the brazen condition, you should not go to church. That's my opinion. And I stand by that. But if you want to go... You own your life. And if you decide that your faith is that important to you, good on you. I'm not mad at you. And I bring the example up from my own parents. Both my parents passed away of cancer. And sorry to hear that. My my father died when I was very young. My father was young and my mother was older. My father was dying of cancer. He was 41. And when he was dying, he was all about keep me alive. Do whatever it takes to keep me alive. Cut me open. Give me chemotherapy. experimental stuff. I don't care. Keep me alive. He wanted quantity of life. That's what he wanted. When my mother was dying of cancer, we, at that point, she, we, she, um, she had grandkids. I had two daughters. She wanted to spend time with my grandkids. And she was like, I care about quality of life. If you give me something to where I can't spend time with my granddaughter, then let me die. She was like, quality of life is what matters to me. In fact, this is Eight years ago, maybe more, she had she was taking my daughter to a um, to a amusement park and she wore a mask. And the doctor was like, you go to amusement park, you might get, you know, an infection and die because my mom was on chemo and her immune system was compromised. And he was like, you might die. And she was like, "Okay, if I die spending time with my granddaughter, I'm good. That was her world. And my point is both people were correct Mm -hmm. because it was their life to choose their way, the way they wanted to deal with it. Did I want my mom to be out? Of course not. I love my mom. 
I didn't want her to be out, maybe going to die to spend time with a, a damn amusement park. Of course I didn't want that. But you know what? I shut up because it's my mom's life and she could do what she want. And she was happy. She spent her last years with her granddaughter and it's what she wanted. So I shut up and let it happen. Nice. But of course, with the COVID, it's slightly different because it's contagious. So mm-hmm. people say, well, you're not just putting yourself at risk. You're putting other people at risk. So you need to do what we order you to and stay home. How would you respond to that one? No, no, I, I think it's a valid, it's a valid um, issue. It's a valid point. The question is, how do you get most people to comply and to be as safe as they can be both now and in the future, right? That's the goal. And the only way you make long lasting change is through volunteerism. That's the only way. You know, you can order people. The advantage of, vo- of force is it's a great short term answer. It really is, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have any money. Pull out a gun, I rob Justin. I now have money. Yeah. Short term. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I now have money. Well done. But now me and Jeff have a problem. Me and Justin got a problem. Me and the police got a problem. We got all kind of problems. Long yeah. term, that's not going to work out well for me. But short term, it totally worked. And because violence is a very good short term answer, people often go to it. And they go, well, you don't understand. We got to make it work. Well, short term, did some of these forced lockdowns work? Here or there, yeah. But long term, you have animosity now to the government that will not go away. No. Long-term, no. this was a terrible, terrible idea, long-term. Now, less people trust the CDC, less people trust government, less people trust doctors, less people trust anyone who's not their political party, less and less and less. This was a terrible long-term solution. So my response is, if you care about your communities, if you care about your nation, if you care about your state or county, long-term solutions are what you want, which means culture change. Mm-hmm. Culture change means people begin to care and see what's right and wrong. Sometimes we have to learn lessons doing that anyway. We work in a way that gets the culture to change. If the, one, I'll bring another thing I talked about. Another one of my plans. I talked about this too. right? One of the things I would have done is I would have immediately suspended all rules on distilling in New York State so that everyone can create their own hand sanitizer. Yeah. And if you want to sell hand sanitizer in, in the local um, shop, no sales tax. So you don't have to uh, apply for sales tax. What would that have done? People would have started thinking about clean hands. Yeah. Would everyone have done it? No. Some people wouldn't have, whatever. You would have thought about it, right? That begins to change the, 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 the culture of, yeah, we should care. Masks, right? I live in New York City. New York City has a very large Chinese East Asian population, mm-hmm. right? So very often you would see people walking around Manhattan or Queens, a lot, a lot of Asians in Queens, a lot of Asians in Manhattan wearing masks, just wearing masks because that's part of their culture from SARS from the, the, the other viruses they've had over there. Yeah. And they brought that culture here. And so you'll see people who are ill or sick or immune compromised in Asian communities. You'll see four or five people wearing masks, usually older, almost always older, they're wearing masks on. You'll see it happen. That's part of their culture. So my thing was immediately say, anyone who sells masks, masks, no sales tax. And um, if anyone is deciding to use and sell masks in any way, they require a 3D printer that, you will not uh, punish anyone for using 3D printing in New York State. So now obviously we start selling masks. Same thing. It changed the culture. Yeah. Is everyone, was everyone going to grab a mask in, in March on their own? No. No. But there's always early adopters. And, and, then once, and then once someone sees someone get sick, they go, oh, that guy got sick. I'm going to wear a mask. And what would have happened is some people to sell the mask to make money would have made cool masks, like New York Yankee masks or yeah. something, right? That would have happened. And then that becomes a cool thing. How do I know that? That's what happened six months later. That's true. 
and a, a lot of um, merchandising that came out of the pandemic. And yep. what's funny about it is, is actually we started 3D uh, printing masks during the pan- pandemic. That was my I, point. I it was in June or July. I'm not 100% sure. But in Oregon, we had somebody that was uh, with the organization. He had a 3D printer. was 3D printing uh, masks and face shields and giving yep. it out to doctors in the uh, surrounding area of Ohio. Yep. And I said I would have done that in March. I put that in my video in March. Do it in March. And what happens? People start thinking about safety in general. And to your and to your point, Jeff, people now start thinking, you know, it's not just about me. I don't have to scold you and make you feel bad or punish you. You in your own world, but you know what? Everyone they're wearing masks. You know what? Maybe I should. You know what they're doing? Maybe I should. Maybe I would. And people start doing stuff. And the point is, I actually back then didn't know. And to be full with you right now, I don't even actually know what actually worked. I actually don't know what worked. And then I didn't know either. But I don't have to know. A leader doesn't have to know everything. No. A leader sets up the environment where the people who can figure this out will tell him mm-hmm. or her. So as long as, as long as I would have been transparent, what would have happened if people would have said, hey, Governor Shaw, those masks, yeah, these don't work at all. Or these do work. Or these respirators, they're useless. Oh, these work. Remember all the tests that were all broken and busted? We didn't find a test weren't working until like May. Yeah, I said allow anyone to make a 3D printing test in March. We would have figured out if it didn't work by April. We'd have known right. it. They would have said these don't work, these work, whatever. We would know. Yeah. Within three months of my plan, we would have had a serious plan that everyone would have got behind because it would have been a bottom-up solution versus a top-down solution. Bottom-up solutions, people are on board because they were part of it. It's their plan. So, of course, they're on board. But this when I stop shaking the- my finger, they don't. This is the plan that the community built together. We we tried. This has been tried and tested. Yes. Yeah. And your plan yes. was to get the government out of the way, make it easier for people to do what was going to be right. Yeah. I don't want to say out of the way because that's scary. No. What I always say is the government facilitates. That right. Good. I use I yes I change my words a lot because the 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 connotation matters. Yeah, terminology right? is big. It matters. So I don't say get government out of the way. Because people go, ah, oh, another one, you hate government liberty. I said, no, government facilitates your happiness. Government facilitates bottom-up solutions. The government facilitates it. And they go, oh, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, it does sound good. You're right. <laughs> so how about we start facilitating? How about we stop dictating and start facilitating? That's the shift I want to make. You know, the goal I always talk about constantly with many people in the liberty movement is they're like, we got to be free. We got to get everything out of the way. And I'm like, I agree. Just we're nowhere near that. No, we are marching towards dictatorship slash oligarchy, sometimes slower, sometimes faster, but we are marching directly towards it. I just want to turn us around and like face freedom. Right. Yeah. Then we can like fight how far we go. Yeah. But you can't do an about face on society all at once. That's not going to work. But if you change the direction a little bit and over time, those changes can pile up. Change the way of people's thinking and culture. I am all about hearts and minds. I'm all about hearts and minds, all about it. That's, I, I consider myself a recruiter, right? I'm trying to bring people into the movement. And I would hope some of the more hardcore people in the movement would be patient. Yes. And what I mean with patience is not patient with me or anybody else, but patient with the new people coming to the movement. To your point, Jeff, most of us weren't born libertarians, right? We were born into whatever family group that we were born into. And we probably, if we were raised Democrats, we Democrats, raised Republicans, Republicans, whatever, we're probably, would, you know, that's what most people are. They, they're they're the, the party of their family. 
unless they're real rebels and then the opposite party of their family just pissed their family off, right? <laughs> so they're one of the two usually. Um, and then they become, they figure out, wait a minute, I'm actually libertarian. So the people who I bring to the party are very often who are not libertarian. They're simply unhappy Republicans or unhappy Democrats who know their party sucks and are looking into ours. But they come bringing a lot of either Democrat or Republican baggage. They just do. Yeah. And the sad part is when they come in, too many of the hardcore libertarians just hammer them and make them feel completely unwelcome. And the example I use often, I still remember, it was the first time I, I remember this happening. I think it's probably 2013, give or take in that area. I'm at a either Queens or Manhattan event. I, I forgot which one it was. A, a young guy comes in, probably 18, 19 years old, comes into our event and is like, oh, libertarians, I'm so happy to be here. I found this, blah, blah. He goes, let's have one question. You guys don't hate NASA, do you? I mean, NASA's cool. And man, did we eat this kid alive. Just hammered him on how it's wasteful and doesn't do this and blah, blah, blah. And he never came back. Yeah. Instead of us saying, oh, NASA, don't worry about NASA for now. I'm kind of curious. Why'd you come up? Oh, I hate taxes. Taxes, awesome. Let's talk about taxes. That would be the appropriate response. Find out what he's upset about. Let's talk about that. Let's forget about NASA for now, right? And if yeah. he stays with us long enough, he'll start hating NASA too. It's fine. Just give him some time. I'm, <laughs> I'm bringing people, I'm, I'm bringing people, you know, I'm the recruiter and I'm bringing the boot camp. I don't give you Marines. I give you civilians. And yeah. then you turn them into Marines over time. Be correct. So mm-hmm. I wish that more libertarians who are more hardcore would be more of the, of, of the teacher and the mentor versus the bodyguard or the gatekeeper. Uh, that would be nice. And uh, it's, that it's all from, I mean, because well, NASA does do some cool things. The things themselves are cool. How they're funded isn't cool. Yes. Could probably be done better on the free market. But you're know, taking that interest maybe and kind of turning it, you know, how, how would the free market handle that? What do you think? And kind of even better from that. Even better. Yes. But imagine if he had come and you asked him why he came. And if anyone who's listening or watching has ever seen me at an event, very often I ask that question. Why'd you come here? What made you come here? Because I want to know what their issues are so I can talk about their issues, right? So if he would have come and said, you know, oh, I'm so mad because, I don't know, um, I can't stand the college loan program or whatever, right? He hated that. All right, let's talk about that first. You, you know what? That's terrible. How come the free market is dealing with that? Why is the government backing loans? Blah, 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 blah. We could have gone through that. Then when he's like, yeah, you guys are great. Now, Jeff, let's talk about funding NASA. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now he's open to hear it because oh you got right. oh you, you're on my side with this loan thing. Let's talk about NASA now. Okay. Now I, what else you got? Now I can trust you a little bit more. Be a little yes. bit less on the defensive. A hundred percent. Right? People have to people have to be open to the message. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what thing, I'm talking about. And that's one thing we, we try to do too, because well, of course, one of the things that uh, people think about libertarians is, oh, you guys are just selfish. You don't want to pay yes. taxes because you don't want yes. to help people. Right. But that's one thing that we try to show. No, people who care about liberty, they do also care about helping people. And we're evidence of that. Because we yes. all believe in liberty. Most of our donors are people who believe in liberty, but they all want to help people. Yes. So can t- well, kind of uh, the be the change. One of the most important pieces here is... It, it's not about we want to be on our own or we want to be selfish. We just want to make sure no one's forced to get together. That's the issue, right? It isn't about, you know, we can't work together. 
it's you don't want to be forced to work together. We want to agree to work together. We want to say, you know, you know this is the thing to remember. The, the example I use often is the Amish, right? The Amish are a voluntarily socialist group. Yes. You can leave if you want to. You can join if you, in fact, they have that, um, what's that? Rumspringer, I think it's called something like that. Rumspringer. There we go. Rumspringer. Yeah, that's what it is. Yes, where you go, they go and say, go out, enjoy the world. If you like the world, don't come back. If you don't like the world, here we are. <laughs> that's volunteerism literally in action. Right. Take your pick. Are you good? Go. You want to come back? Come on back. Now you might say, well, Larry, we're not going to be Amish. You're right. But in a libertarian world, the Amish thrive. In an authoritarian world, they are one of the first people attacked. Mm-hmm. And they only exist by permission of the authorities. And they won't exist. Every single authoritarian regime ever attacks minorities. There is zero exception to that rule. That is a 100% rule. Every single authoritarian regime attacks minorities. Very true. But a libertarian regime, you could go, you could say to yourself, you want to, again, you don't lose your, your First Amendment. You could say, I think the Amish are awesome, or I think they're terrible, or whatever. But you're not going to stop them from being Amish. No. You can they still can... say whatever you want about them. I think they're dumb, or I think they're smart, or whatever is your personal right. view upon them. But you don't stop them. Look, if they want to turn butter instead of, you know, buying uh, the Betty Croc, well, it, do- it doesn't bother me none, one way Absolutely. or the other. As long yeah. as they're left to do what they want, by all means. Absolutely. And I think there's a piece I bring up. Volunteerism does not mean you're not social. It doesn't mean you don't cooperate. It just means when you do it, it's with a common purpose. That's it. It's with a common purpose. And, and now you every- what you're trying to achieve in anything in life particularly in business organization, is diversity of thought with unity of purpose. The problem is when you have an organization that just hires people, often you have diversity of thought and diversity of purpose, or worse, unity of thought and diversity of purpose. That's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> I like the way you put that. That's, that's yes. nice. <laughs> yes. Interesting. Uh, so are we wrapping this up, guys? Is that what it was quiet? Were we wrapping I, this up? I think, uh, Jeff, was there <laughs> any other questions that we have for Larry? Well, yeah, I was I was wondering, what what does the future hold for you, Larry? Are you going to go for the governorship again? Going to start another business? Sell another business? I'll go for the governor. People ask me this all the time, and I'm looking at running for governor, and of course I'm looking at it, but I'm not going to make a decision until this summer. Probably my guess is August, July or August, I'll be making my decision. I'm actually um, putting a book out um, July 12th, my birthday. I'll be releasing my book on happiness. See, I'm going to have to look out for that because yep. I was really intrigued on in how you how you approach this because it seems like it's it's uh, a philosophy on life for you. It is. Uh, and, and I like the way that how you look at that. And yeah, I'm going to have to check out your book whenever that comes out. You said July 12th? That's my birthday. Yep. I'll be, it'll be coming out July 12th. I will be, hold on. How old will I be? 53. There we go. Whoa. Nice. Yes. Nice. Yes. I'll be 53. This, I forget how old I am half the time. I, when you get so old, you forget how old you are. That's where I am. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, I did that when I turned 32 and I wasn't proud. There we go. So, you was old already. Okay. 30 something. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. All right. So, so, after that, about a month or so after that, I'll decide if I'm going to run or not. Um, if I run, I'll do what I did last time. I will literally stop working. It will be a full-time gig. I will put over a year into it. I will bust my rump and try to win this damn thing. Or if not, I'll say who I think we should be- get behind, and I'll get behind that person. Well, I, I really hope you do run, Larry, because uh, 
they could really use all the help they can get up there. And you know, I mean, it's your own hometown or Absolutely. home state. Yes. The, the issue is, if you've noticed, people think I run often. I've only run one time. Yeah. And I only run when I think I can make impact. I'm not a person who thinks we should just run all the time. Run. Why don't you run for this? Run for that. No. And the reason is when I run, I give it my all. And I ask a lot of all my supporters. I ask a lot of supporters. I ask them to show up. I ask them to give money. I ask them to give time. I ask them my social media warriors. I ask them to, to tweet people. I ask them to get me on TV. I ask, I ask a lot of them because I give a lot of myself. And I'm not prepared to ask all that of people and to not have impact. Yeah, it's not worth over it. Over and over and over again. They get yes. burned out. Yes. And, and, and burnout is real. Yeah. And if I'm going to bug you, Justin, Justin, do me a favor, share my stuff. Come on, keep sharing my stuff. And every week I'm bugging you. Share it again. Why aren't you talking to Do another podcast. Talk about me, which I, my, me and my people will be bugging you when that time comes. Oh, and we'll fine. bug you. But <laughs> if I bug you and you do all this stuff and then I produce no income, uh, no, no, no impact, you say, well, what the hell do I do this for? Yeah. I, I, I invested like, in you. Yes. I want you to be like, I gave Larry 50 bucks. And you know what? He busted his ass for me, and I'm good with that. I'm glad I gave him 50 bucks. That guy was out there jumping through hoops. I'm glad I gave it to him. That's what I want. And if I can't do that, I'm I'm not gonna I'm gonna I'm not gonna ask for the money. I mean, I wrote a check to myself to start my campaign for ten thousand dollars, and then I said, then I started asking everybody else for money because I have a rule in my life: I can't point my finger at you until I point my finger at myself first. And I really want to point my finger at you. So that means I really got to point my finger at myself first right. a lot, right? Because I really want to point it at you. So I got to point at myself a whole lot. So if I'm going to sit there and say, hey, Jeff, give me 25 bucks, you're going to say, do you give yourself any money? Um, 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 I, can't, I don't feel comfortable doing that. But if I write myself a check, then I go, yeah, Jeff, give me some money. Yeah, I gave myself money. You can give right. me money now, right? <laughs> then I don't, have, I don't have a problem bugging you then. It's if I'm not doing it, I got a problem. Man, it would be great if everybody that ran for office had that way of thinking. That'd be nice. It would. Be, that'd be nice. Be a lot less problems. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Oh, speaking of running for office, you might have a better chance. I've heard that the Mises Caucus of the Libertarian Party has made a lot of gains in the past few months. They have. So. They've been very organized. In fact, um, what I'm most impressed by is the amount of organization they've done. I feel like they've organized better than – at least that I can see. They've organized better than any other caucus I've ever seen. They've organized very well. I hope other caucuses, caucus I, whatever is the appropriate way of saying it, um, um, I hope other caucuses will follow their lead and organize as well. It would really help us tremendously. They've recruited well, organized well. I would hope the other caucuses follow suit. And I think the one thing that's really uh, helped them is they, they have this big tent strategy when it comes to uh, the liberty movement, and they're very uh, inclusive on who they allow to come into the caucus. Well, they've also done d done something else that makes a lot of sense. They understand that most people are moved to join our movement, not by an I idea. They stay for the idea or the philosophy, but they come because of an individual, right? They come because somebody said something that made sense. Yeah. For many Mises people, it's Ron Paul, but it might've been, who knows, Gary Johnson. It might've been, you know, uh, Harry Brown, it might have been Spike Cohen, it might have been me, it might have been Mary Ruart, it could have been anybody, right? But someone said something that they went, huh, huh. Then when they got to us, the philosophy, philosophy kept them. Yeah. But getting them here is almost always someone says something. And the Mises Caucus has good personalities. 
people who go out and yap and say cool things and get on podcasts and stuff. So people get to hear that thing that goes, huh? Right. They get to hear Dave Smith say something that goes, oh, that makes sense. Huh? And then they come to us. The yeah. other caucuses have not done that well. They have focused on things like, you know, ballot access, which is important. They focused on those things. They haven't focused on recruiting, which is heavily personality based. Yeah. Recruiting is personality based. They have not focused on that. Especially in the world of social media. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And if the the other caucuses should be recruiting personalities to help them recruit. It just works better. Yeah. Yeah. That's what people are attracted to. Yes. Like you said, they'll stay for the idea, but there's a lot of ideas. And it's hard just looking at it to tell if it's a really flashy idea or a really good idea. And they often don't even know where to look. Yeah. Don't yeah. even know where to look, right? But then That's when some true. guy comes out and says something, I mean, I came to Libertarian Party because I heard Gary Johnson speak in 2012. <laughs> Gary Jan- Johnson spoke, and I was like, oh, huh. So you librarians, what do you guys do? <laughs> like, that's where I was. Right. So, oh, Libertarian, oh, what's that? And then I, then I found out. He was the guy who got me in. And the funny part is that people laugh at this. When I first heard Gary Johnson speak, I thought he was a radical. <laughs> that's yeah, where my head was yeah that makes sense that's where my head was now yeah. i'm far more radical than gary johnson is right but i mean that's what I, when i was there that's what i thought wow this guy's what wait a minute so government isn't the answer for every problem what he's gary johnson guy he's a madman right i mean that's what i was thinking right and and now i'm far more radical than he is that's that's awesome that's a, that's a good story there yeah, I think uh, one of the one of the personalities that kind of got me into the liberty movement was uh, it's going to be kind of strange, but Glenn Beck. Um, he's, I like Glenn Beck. I've been in the show more than once. Oh, I see. I haven't been able to watch him over the past couple of years because now I got two kids. Less time. You know how that is. I know but, the feeling. Um, I always he was always uh, kind of libertarian light. Yeah, and he kind of brought up. Um, uh, some of the ideas of like he brought up the history with Calvin Coolidge yep. and uh, I, I, I might actually have his book here. Do I have it here? Uh, yeah, I do. Oh, wow. oh, that's awesome. He actually signed the book for me um, at Freedom Fest the other day, oh, other cool. other year. What was it here? And... Oh yeah, that is that's definitely yep. That's Beck. That's yeah, I, I've got. Well, I think my dad's got it right now. I've got uh, one of his. Larry. Keep moving forward. Your voice matters. That's uh, awesome. So, yes, I happen to have his book here. Yeah. That's awesome. See, yeah, he w- he was the one that kind of introduced me to, to all that. And, yeah, yeah, I think he's he's definitely more on the right-wing side of things. He is, yes, definitely is. Kind yep. of like what you're saying about Gary Johnson. I, I used to think, you know, some of these ideas are kind of radical. Uh, but then I got more into the idea, and now I'm like, well, I think cocaine should be sold at CVS. Not everybody's ready for that. <laughs> right, yes. Yes. Obviously. Yes. But uh, that's the way I try to approach you it. You just is- brought up something that's very important, right? People often think, because I'm much more of a mainstream libertarian, that I'm against radical messaging. I'm not. I'm against only radical messaging. Right. I think our message should be all over the place. We should have milk toast messaging and radical messaging. We should have everything because people are different spots in their life. Yeah. I, I never forget this. I, I forgot who it was. It was talking about a shirt that said recreation, legalized recreational cocaine. Yeah. And it's like you're talking about, right? And there's a certain part of our, our community 
that would be like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm in. And a certain part that, that would be like, that's insane. You people are crazy. Right. And a certain part that will just ignore it and would even pay attention. Mm-hmm. Right. So I want that messaging for that group. But there's another group that will that will say things like, you know, should we be in jail for cannabis? Very right. milk toast. Very. And some people will be like, oh, my God, that just reached me. So I think we need messaging all over. I want milk toast and I want radical and I want everything in between because Americans are different spots in their lives that certain messages will hit certain people. So yeah. I hope we do. I hope we don't do milk toast. I hope we do it all. If you ever see my page, my page is all over the place. Yeah. And people always get angry at me because of that. Well, Larry, that's not true. It's not radical. Well, Larry, that's radical. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of everything. I'm mm-hmm. trying to put out all different things so I can capture the most number of flies. Right? I'm trying to get them all. Yeah. Right? I'm trying to get them all. So, yeah, I, I, I tend to go all over. That, that's, that's good. Because in a libertarian society, it, it would be allowed. There would be stores yes. that don't sell any kind of 100%. drugs at all. And there would be stores that sell cocaine. And if people Absolutely. are comfortable with that, they'll patronize it. 100%. So it's not the libertarian is a place for only the radical, only the most most libertarian ideas. But ideas that are just a little libertarian are still libertarian. hundred percent, hundred percent. And even if the people who were on the on the you know cocaine is evil train, they could even have signs that go cocaine's evil if they want to, right? They could. Is that as right? long as as long as they're not stopping you from going to buy the cocaine, it's fine. Right. Just they could tell you don't do it. But eh, what are you gonna do? And the problem is many of them begin to feel like if we make cocaine legal, as an example, that now their voice won't be heard. No, your voice is still heard, right? And you can still not want to do it. I mean, lots of people think, you know, drinking's bad and drinking's illegal and drinking's legal. Yeah. There's literally campaigns to stop people from smoking and smoking's still legal. Legal. So it's fine, right? There's non-profits and on it. I am literally one of the squarest guys you're going to find. The only, the only drug I use is caffeine. That's it. Nothing else. That's all I use. Only Mormons got me beat. Glenn Beck's got me beat. He's a Mormon. Yeah. He's got me beat. Right? So he doesn't use caffeine. But besides that, that's all I use. But I don't care if you drink or smoke or do weed or whatever. Whatever is the thing you do, enjoy. You're not right. forcing me to do it. Life is good. Yeah. yeah. As long as your decisions don't impact me in any way. What do I care? Enjoy. Find your happiness your way. That's, that's a slogan right there. Yes. Find your happiness your way. I speak <clears throat> always about happiness because no one else does. Uh, well, Jeff, a, you, you yeah, gotta... that's what people care about. They care about the happiness. Yes. I think most people don't realize that. Like you say, they push for one thing or another, and it's tangential to what people really want. Because even if they don't realize it, you want to be happy. Yes. We're always searching for it. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks so much for coming on with us, Larry, talking about everything. Talked about a lot of stuff. Yeah, yep. that well, was great, Larry. Think... I think that was one of our best podcasts yet. No, I awesome. mean, I, I was in on this one, so, you know, I can feel, uh, uh, oh, what's the word uh, for it? The quality went up. Went yeah. Up on screen, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd take it that far. But <laughs> this was an awesome interview, uh, and I think it brought up a lot of uh, good ideas, um, especially how to address um, uh, poverty, uh, not only in New York, but across the nation. These are ideas that we could use uh, everywhere, um, it, whether it be from a federal, state, or local level. And I, I appreciate yep. you bringing that, those onto the podcast. And Absolutely. if you want to, uh, my again, my sharp way 
YouTube page. Just last week, I re-showed a uh, presentation I did at Queens College three years ago on poverty. I did an hour and a half on poverty. So we'll uh, we'll link to you got a YouTube channel. We know you. It's called the Sharp Way YouTube channel, and literally there are three things for your listeners who may want to they may want to check out. One is the special playlist that says COVID nineteen response March twenty twenty. That's how we would have dealt with COVID. The second one is just last week or a week or two ago, um, I did a special, um, I re-showed a presentation I did at Queens College that is specifically an hour and a half on poverty, Libertarian Answers for Poverty. And then also there's another um, playlist which says, uh, let's see, uh, hold on, can't feel the burn, maybe it's not sharp enough. It is me going through Bernie Sanders' policies from his um, from his webpage, website, and having a libertarian answer for every single one of his policies. Oh, it man, is four and a half hours long total. Oh, wow. Wow. I went through it. I think it's four videos, four and a half hours total. I went through every single one of his policies right down the line. Yeah, that, definitely have to check that out. That's that's awesome. Definitely. Well, we appreciate you having uh, having you on, Larry. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll catch you sometime in the future. And if you do decide to run, you know, be sure to hit us up. Absolutely. I'll, I'll ask you for money. Don't worry about it. I will. <laughs> well, hit, hit us on an individual level because <laughs> the whole nonprofit I got you. aspect of things yes. but gotcha. I, i'm totally thinking it's five of course i will yes got you all right all right Fantastic. well thanks all for right, having thanks, me on for, thanks for coming on larry and all right uh, we'll guys catch you next time see you have a good one Hey, thank you very much for watching this video. If you liked it, please like, share, subscribe, drop a comment. If you'd like, please go over and visit our website and donate to one of our causes. VIA couldn't do anything without the generous support of donors like you.